thank you for uh, staying with us. It's the last session before lunch, so we will try to be quick and concise. We thank you very much for the invitation and the great organization, as always. Without further ado, I would like to invite our colleagues here in the panel, Captain Pankaz, who is uh, heading the EOCR digital platform, which is a spin-off from Columbia, where he also holds the position of optimization manager. Mr. Kostadinos Kapedakis, CEO and co-founder of Hermafest. Mr. Aristos Filis, who is the CEO of Kilex and also director in Lenny Solar. And Mr. Oser Terry, who is founder and CEO of CP Systems. We have talked a lot of technology in the previous sessions. Of course, technology is among the main pillars of achieving our targets as a shipping industry, both in terms of safety and decarbonization. And now this panel will give the words to the technology providers to also provide their views. In shipping owners, we're always quite cautious in adopting new technologies. They wait for the mature technologies that have benefits in practice before they adapt them, and this has helped significantly with improving safety and efficiency of the fleet. In the past year, we see a shift to an earlier adoption. We see also concepts from Industry 4.0 arriving to our industry. Just to give a, a good story, I think we were discussing with Constantinos yesterday, and 10 years ago, we were trying to convince people to install ballast water ballast water treatment systems on board the vessels. The owners were skeptical, they thought it was quite complex. Today, he's being asked, how can I install a, system, a carbon capture installer system on board? Which is much more complex, but still owners have the drive to go to this complexity, because they see the benefit. And uh, we have a good mix of people. We hope we have a very vibrant discussion. Interestingly, in our panel, we also have two people that wear two hats, both from the owner's and manager perspective, but also from the technology provider's perspective, which I will come back to that. And before we start with the questions, I would like to give the word the floor to Oscar to have a short three, three minutes presentation. Thank you. for having us. Um, it's a pleasure to see you all. As the, the first comment I'll say on the embracing technology session is that as a founder of a technology company, uh, the one thing I have to say is that technology in our perspective is not the goal, but rather the means to the operations that are safer, more productive. And personally, I've sailed for 10 years of my life and Founded Shipping about four years ago. We're about 40 people in the company today across uh, the United States in Boston, Singapore, uh, Europe, and Tel Aviv. And I'll take one word here to say about how we look at things in, the, in shipping. So we mentioned the Industry 4.0. When you look at a $100 million factory and a $100 million vessel, and consider what are the performance management tools you have at your disposal, uh, on the manufacturing plant or as a vessel, without getting into too much detail, we can agree, I think, in this room that the gap is 
relatively wide. And with that in mind, shipping was established. The um, solutions that we will show you here as an operating platform to an asset, to an industry, have been deployed in construction, in manufacturing, in agriculture, in automotive. And shipping is developing specific IP for the maritime space. In two minutes, I will try and tell you what it is that we do. I think when we talk about safer and more productive uh, uh, vessels, there is a lot of discussion, obviously, as needed on the fuel. But we are showing here tools that are working towards your OPICs in terms of your crew activities, your maintenance, insurance, etc. And the one thing that I would like to say about this is that we can all again agree that in the last several decades, these vessels have gotten significantly bigger and the crew size has not matched that trend. On the contrary, right, it's going in the opposite direction. In our perspective, we have not, as an industry, provided the tools for the seafarers to do their jobs in a safe and productive way. And this is what shipping is doing, using machine learning, artificial intelligence um, as, uh, as a platform. These are the areas in which the system is operating, just to give context, right? So you look at, from your bridge conduct to maintenance activities, safety on board the vessel, uh, security and perimeter of the vessel, and cargo operations where there's a lot of value in actually optimizing your production line essentially in that regard. And just in three steps, and then I'll, I'll pause, what is the system actually, uh, how, how does it work? So this first portion, many of you probably know, it starts with video, right, CCTV. Um, we, you know, in cases that, in, in shipping's case, if vessels are not deployed, we give the whole uh, server equipment at no capital expenditure, and the server on board is collecting the data. On board the vessel, you'll have on average over 10,000 hours of video, and, um, on of uh, video, and no human eye can actually absorb all this information. The benefit of the server is the ability to actually tell you there's a maintenance activity, PPL, ingress of order, and then the manifestation of this is actually giving the captain, the chief engineer, a platform for their vessel, for all activities that are happening, and at the same time, powered by uh, patents on the communication of visual information from the ship to the shore, so from 20 terabytes to about 200 megabytes uh, only that is shipped a day, to have for the first time in our perspective in the industry, owners, managers, crew, sit on the same platform, communicate on the same information at the same time, as if you're working shoulder to shoulder. That's the essence of what the, you know, how the tools are being used here. It's all, again, computer vision based. Several examples on bridge uh, conduct, on remote auditing, confirming the repair jobs has been done, security notifications, and I'll, I'll stop here, happy to answer questions a little bit after. The, the value is obviously just one last thing, is increase, reducing losses by over 40% and increasing the productivity of the vessels. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, coming back to my earlier comment about uh, having a dual role between technology provider and the owner, and I'd like to ask Captain Van Gars, do you think that technology is among the dominating parameters for improving? And also, do you think it is being driven by the owner's parameters? Yeah, sorry. Do you think that they are uh, the owners and managers, are they driving the technological development or are they driven by it? Right. Uh, thank you and good afternoon all. Uh, I'll take the second part of the question first. So, uh, who's driving it and what's happening in the industry? 
So I come from uh, Columbia. I manage Columbia's performance and optimization, heading their performance optimization control group. <clears throat> but do we know which was the first uh, vessel optimization monitoring center set up in the industry? Anybody? Mers. Uh, obviously, it makes sense for them. They've got 500 vessels. They wanted to just in time uh, monitor their fuels, see how well their fleet is performing. And right after MERS, it was same as CGM, which followed. And it makes sense for uh, most of the container industry to invest into these kind of uh, technologies for monitoring the ship's life. Soon enough, uh, it also started happening in tankers. Five years later, the first ship management company to set up a similar performance optimization center for monitoring the fleet 24 7 uh, came up in Cyprus. And I hope you know the company. Yes, Columbia. <coughs> so, of course, Columbia started it. Columbia was the first ship manager to do it. Uh, at that time, it was uh, uh, quite uh, unusual for a ship manager to go into such an expensive and such a detailed performance monitoring system. Uh, five years, almost five years now, uh, we can say with confidence that uh, we've performed well, we've delivered, and the industry has returned uh, our compliments in form of replicating the same thing. So that in, in 2022, uh, about three similar centers came up in India. So three years later, the ship managers are also doing the same thing what Colombia was doing in 2018. So basically what I'm trying to get to is there are leaders and laggards. And in technology, the proactiveness and the leaders, these are the ones which capture the space. And they are uh, gaining the advantages of early adoption. When I talk about early adoption, it's not just limited to uh, aspects such as performance optimization, but also technologies. Uh, what kind of sensors we are using, what kind of communication technologies we are using, and what kind of uh, processes we are setting around it. So, uh, how we've done it in Colombia is we've set up the philosophy of performance. There are three P's in performance. The first P of performance is platform. You need to have a robust platform which is ready for the future, and it takes care of all your performance needs now and in future. Second P is your people. You have to have the right people in the right position, monitoring your ships, monitoring your uh, assets, and giving the best analysis out of it. And finally, the last P is the processes. If we have the right processes and the right tools, we are able to monitor our ships, make them efficient, and of course, give a better service to our owners. So coming back to the technology again, so we've done a almost a five-year journey, and we wanted to be here, and we are uh, slightly ahead of that. We've done, we've dabbled with machine learning, we've done some IoT sensorization, we've even dabbled with virtual reality and walkthroughs uh, in uh, digital space. So what are we looking at next? Next, what we're looking at is what we call Project Pangea. Project Pangea is an acronym for POCR's Next Generation IoT and AI Applications. We are developing a platform, a data management platform, which is ready for the next level of applications. We see the future of high sensorization. We see the future of a lot of 
AI, especially machine learning. We've just started scratching the tip of uh, machine learning in the shipping industry. Like the Osha show right now, there are so many applications that we can use. But we need a, a, a data uh, backbone that can handle such complex capabilities. And that's what Project Pangea is. And that's what technologies are that, uh, leading the future of shipping. And we are going into the next uh, decade like this. Thank you. So I think uh, this is an amazing pattern we see the last years that uh, more and more managers and owners they invest heavily in technology development and at some point they, they create a spin-off for uh, some sort of uh, a different entity on technology providers from the technology providers point of view. And uh, at that point I would like to ask you, Kostadine, how do you see that from a cute technology provider's point of view? Thank you, Jason. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, ladies and gentlemen, dear friends, colleagues, Olga, Nikos, thank you so much for joining another high caliber and well-organized by Bonosis family events. Um, before going into the reply, I need to share with you my, my feelings of being back after three years uh, in the same room. And actually, Jan is reminding me something. That was five years ago. We're sitting in the same panel, okay? same nice establishment, it was the St. Valentine's Day, okay, and yes, with your, your pink tie, and uh, back in the days we were talking about Battles of the Management Convention, but of course the only thing that I remember from that day, it's, uh, it's uh, the discussion we had about sipping and love. Anyway, um, yesterday, Jason reminded me this, uh, this uh, thing that uh, he mentioned earlier, the years ago, uh, we're trying as a technology provider to convince uh, ship owners that the ballast water uh, treatment system is not a very complicated system. It's a system that can be easily adapted on board the vessel as long as there's a good planning and a good uh, preparation. Ten years after, I think the role has... And, and back in the days, the, the ship owners were very skeptical. Today, uh, the role has changed. We're talking now with ship owners when we present them, you know, the technology related to carbon capture. And nowadays, I am the skeptical. I am the one who says, okay, you know what? Yes, that's the technology. It's very complicated. Um, we'll try to modernize it. We'll try to make it practical for onboard installations. And, the, and, and I'm skeptical. But the owner says, you know what, Constantine? We're gonna do it. We'll install a balance with the treatment system. We'll install scrubbers. We're going to do it because we need to do it. So that, that's a, that was a small parenthesis. So three years after we're here, we're here after the pandemic. The pandemic uh, is finished, thanks God. Um, we're more resilient, we're more robust, and we're prepared for whatever the future will bring us. So inevitably, we're living in a very uh, interesting era where the progression and the change is uh, in high speed. One of the changes we see in our market is what Jason uh, mentioned earlier. We see technology, we see ship owners and, and uh, managers developing their own solutions based on their actual needs. And uh, we see also that those solutions nowadays are shared with third parties. And this is a good thing. We, as, as a group, and myself as a company, we really support uh, those ideas. However, 
Um, we should not forget our roles. As a technology providers, we have invested on the infrastructure for production, um, procurement, installation, commissioning, after the sales support of our equipment. And this is an investment that uh, a SIP owner should not uh, make. So my reply to your question, Jason, is it depends. When we're talking about uh, solution uh, um, um, spin-off of uh, managers or owners who are focusing on software and digitalization, I think this is a very good thing to do. We're very supportive on, on these uh, kind of solutions. But when we're talking about uh, hardware production, I think that this is the role of the, of, uh, of, uh, the technology providers. And at the end of the day, it's the specialization which provides good, uh, high quality equipment and services. And it's better to keep our specialization. Thank you. Thank you very much. Quite interesting. In the, we see this in the, so far we have been discussing the, about greener, smarter technologies. Uh, we use a motto in DMV, we used to have it uh, safer, greener, smarter. And in the past years, I think we have uh, been putting most of the focus in greener and somewhat smarter. So I would like to address this to Washer and uh, say, do, do you see this as well from the technology provider point of view? Is this something you see changing in the future, becoming a more normalized way in a few years' time? Because now everyone is focusing on decarbonization. Will we go away from that to being normal again? What is normal? Yeah. Um, I think that the uh, need of the hour is manifested in the abundance of solutions that we see in the um, route optimization, fuel efficiency, and so on. I think what we're also seeing is that the, that push from the regulation side, from the uh, industry to those solutions is calling for greater accountability and greater visibility to what is happening on our vessels. And so with that, I think there is a wider uh, spectrum of solutions that are being uh, looked at. And I think that, I don't think it's in the future. We have made our solution publicly available commercially um, less than a year ago. And we have over a dozen of fleets, um, over 100 vessels in fleets that are over 800 vessels. So it's happening very quickly. And I think that once you notice that there's immediate value coming from those on, I would say, the other half of the business, that is, you know, the, everything that's happening on board the vessels, not in necessarily the, the engines and the machinery, uh, that's uh, bringing about a fast adoption today, not tomorrow. Thank you. And uh, to follow on that track, uh, we have met, said many times that uh, there was a lot of skepticism, but uh, in the past year or so, so we see every stakeholder being focused on decarbonization, and therefore we see a great activity around such initiatives. We see owners investigating early, adopting, testing new technology, new technologies. And um, I would like to ask Aristos views on that with his role and his both roles, and also to try and see how much of this do you think is actually effort doing to improve or uh, trying to capture this press attention, you know, to have the trade wins headline that we say our company is doing this and that, and in reality something much less. Okay. So the, yeah, 
<laughs> Thanks for a very interesting question. Uh, it can actually be a, a quite controversial topic of discussion, but uh, uh, since I'm here, I'll give my honest opinion and I'll try to address it from the perspective of uh, if a company undertakes uh, carbonization initiatives via digital technologies just for the press, then this perhaps reflects the rest of the business too. Anyway, I'll keep it simple. From our perspective, when we get called into a meeting uh, with a potential customer, for example, a ship owner, a ship manager, or a ship operator, uh, to demonstrate our technology solutions and uh, what we have developed, whatsoever, before that meeting is over, uh, you can, with a certain degree of confidence, classify that company in one of four categories. The first one is those who are serious about technology. The second one is those who really don't care about, about technology at all. Uh, the third one is the one you mentioned, that those who do it for the press. Uh, and the fourth one uh, is the exploiters. I mean, those who just call you in to absorb knowledge, information, whatsoever, they just mess around, but nothing mentioned. Um, in our own findings, and our own market analysis, and our own statistics, perhaps my, my colleagues on the panel have a different point of view, but what we have found is that out of every 10 production customers you talk to, out of every 10, uh, only one is serious about technology. Uh, three of them really don't care about it, two will do something just for the press, and the remaining four are exploiting you. So it, it looks like a total of uh, three out of ten companies are actually doing something today, but unfortunately those two are just doing it for the press. Um, which is, three out of ten is near a low, near a big number, uh, so I'm not sure we have a lot of early adopters today, but either you should do it for the press or for uh, other legitimate reasons, there must be a solid background behind it because I'm pretty sure uh, it helps the ESG strategy of the company. Um, it, it makes it easier to raise debt and equity financing and capital. Uh, it also helps the company have a, a better, more modern image as a, as a forward-thinking industry leader. Uh, and it helps overall. Uh, however, I'm sure that things will change. I mean, with the ongoing regulatory pressure to capture our, our IMO targets and with the real need to do something for the environment, I believe we'll experience a shift from those who do nothing to doing something even just for the press. And those who do it just for the press and shifting into the genuine category. Um, as a matter of fact, since January uh, that CII went live, we have experienced an increased online traffic in our own content. I mean, there are more and more clicks going on, which shows that uh, when there's a real need, the market responds. I mean, the, the, the people respond. This year is CII, next year is going to be ETS and so on and so forth, so things will start shifting. Uh, and I, I believe it's going to become a one-way uh, road to adopt uh, digital technologies and not only digital, but overall technologies. Uh, not only because it's going to help you comply with regulations whatsoever, but because more and more cases will arise that will show tangible re returns on the bottom line profits. Thank you very much. And this increase you mentioned in traffic and in request is something that we see and uh, in gold class societies see as well. For my role, 2023 has started quite tough, especially the introduction of EUETS is something that made me respond to many phone calls during this week. My wife was not extremely happy about it. And with that, I understand there is there's a lot of pressure in the technology providers as well. And uh, I would like to ask Constantine, uh, how realistic or unrealistic, unrealistic are the expectations from owners and managers, and especially in terms of 
delivery time and scope as well. First of all, I don't think that the customers have unrealistic. This is a term that we never use, okay? Whatever the customer asks is whatever we should do. And I, I, I mean that. So the request for timely delivery of equipment, spare parts and services is a reality. However, this is not a ship owner's or manager request, okay? But this is our market request. Um, you know, the vessels are operating 24-7, they're trading at very uh, remote areas, and they need our support. So we need to be able to support them. So with, um, we, we, as a group, we take this responsibility very, very seriously. Um, we always try to adapt ourselves, um, like the procedures, like um, the AI tools available. We analyze the data that we have, we expand uh, uh, our personnel, we expand uh, our investment in inventory and warehouses to have uh, um, personnel and equipment in all those remote areas in order to be able to make these unrealistic uh, requests uh, um, uh, materialize. Um, so we believe that um, we should adapt. And nowadays, the technology available using all these uh, um, uh, um, software analysis, uh, data analysis tools, uh, the AI available, and with a careful consideration and planning, we are able to make uh, this happen. We are able to, uh, the, the industry, the, the, the technology providers are able to provide the timely solutions, provide uh, short-term deliveries in order to support uh, what our industry needs. Thank you. Thank you as well. One is, uh, has to do with hardware, the other has to do with more uh, software-based uh, solutions. Of course, Industry 4.0 has been mentioned quite many times today. But shipping is a traditional industry, and uh, we see that the development in software-based solutions is quite rapid and uh, with an exponential rate. And it is always a discussion if the owners and the managers can follow this development. So with this question, I would like to ask uh, Captain Pankaj if you feel there is a need for some sort of educating the industry in understanding capabilities and matching it to their needs. Um, so in terms of educating the industry, I think so. I've seen the best uh, slide today was one from OSHA talking about a hundred million dollar uh, factory versus a hundred million dollar ship and the level of digitalization and technology available in the comparison. So when you see it side by side, it's an obvious case, you should be uh, investing more into technologies. But when we see it in isolation, we realize that we are not doing it as often. Um, however, um, what has changed in the last few years, and especially in the last five years, is the level of connectivity we have and the price uh, what that we are paying for that connectivity now. Especially with the introduction of uh, low Earth uh, orbiting satellites, uh, high-speed internet, this is going to change even more. The barriers to entry, which were uh, connectivity, are getting removed. So that is in itself uh, acting as an enabler, which would uh, probably remove the requirement of too much of education in this, in this field. But what I do feel is, uh, <coughs> There is a need for education on what technologies we are applying on board. 
if you see uh, if you see your cell phone it's uh, quite powerful and it has got a lot of technology accelerometers cameras lidars everything in it it's more powerful than a supercomputer used to be in uh, 1985 but it comes without a user manual but the technologies that we are putting on board are very cumbersome they are not intuitive they require user manuals they require a person to be trained over and over again we ourselves as pos here we are running a parallel training uh, program so that we can train our crew to use these technologies so that we they can take effective uh, advantages of uh, posr's applications on board but what we would want to see is that these applications these uh, technologies are so intuitive that you don't need a user manual for it thank you thank you definitely this is in indeed true and um, i think this is in the general uh, view of this digital transformation that the industry is uh, going through as it happens with other industries we see a lot of new the introduction of new business models we see tech giants that focus on shipping we see an abundance of startups and uh, some claim that um, this is the only way to to have this uh, lean development of software solutions and uh, aristo coming from such a company that is dealing with all these uh, state of the art technologies and solutions and coming from a company that is a spin off with a startup mindset would you like to share your experience on how did this work with the city industry i'm sure with this pleasure um well, when i actually look back at everything that happened uh, perhaps the only encouraging and easy thing that happened uh, from an external point of view was just the regulatory pressure i mean uh, when there's a need uh, the market responds Uh, for example, the owner needs to monitor CII, they will buy a software. So this was the only encouraging thing. Everything else has been difficult, I mean, uh, particularly difficult. I mean, uh, in my case, as you mentioned before, uh, like Pankaj too, I, I wear two hats. Uh, Kilex is you know, from a shipowning group. Um, so this one definitely enabled us to have a, an insight with you on, on what's needed uh, to optimize the, the vessel's performance, the, the voyage. Uh, and also gave us uh, a first-hand view of uh, uh, how we can utilize technologies to, to make sure that our crew on board is always motivated, educated, uh, and their well-being is never compromised. So this is definitely a good way to kickstart uh, everything we do. Um, in addition, we we were lucky enough to have access to a lot of data, high-frequency data, uh, that uh, this can literally be a, a make-or-break component when you, when you start such a journey. But on the other side, when you get out in the market and you try to talk to potential clients, uh, the availability of data, and especially good quality data, it's just scarce commodity. I mean, it's, it's almost inexistent. Um, what else? Um, we also have the comfort knowing that we can launch whatever product we want, and we'll have a test bed ready, uh, which it's it's literally amazing because you you know you, you launch something, you can experiment, you can give it out immediately for real industry feedback. And this is, uh, is certainly something uh, uh, tremendously helpful. But let's let's not forget that uh, even if we're spin-off from a shipowning group, we still have to face the traditional mindset of, uh, of our industry. Uh, and believe me, it's difficult to convince a shipowner or a, a captain to trust an algorithm. I mean, it's it, it, 
it's not at all easy. And as you mentioned before, our industry suffers from skepticism and, and suspiciousness, I would say. Um, and I believe lots of brilliant ideas uh, phase out just because there is lack of trust and lack of collaboration. Um, another thing is that digitalization, uh, the way we see it, it means cultural change. And we are all aware that it's extremely difficult to change the culture of a company. Um, so uh, if there are two points I can keep, uh, but I'm pretty sure any startup in the shipping industry that will start a journey right now, uh, I'm pretty sure you have to be prepared to face two combinations. The first one is uh, the reluctance of ship owners to let go of existing procedures. And, and the second one uh, is the emphasis uh, you, you get on the infrastructural cost about everything else. And what I mean by this is that technology is great, uh, but it comes at a cost. And this type of cost is one of the easy ones to calculate up front. And uh, when you put the numbers up front there, it's many times it discouraging and delays decisions. Uh, and it, it demotivates, let's say, the situation. Uh, but uh, regardless if it kills this enthusiasm, uh, you must be prepared and have your tools in your toolbox to address this. For example, it can be uh, prolonged free trials or allowing the option for customization on your software just to make sure that the customers are, are satisfied. Um, oh. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that we are all experiencing right now uh, the, the, the incoming uh, new generation of young leaders that they're all embracing this technological change, so uh, I'm hopeful and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that things will change. Thanks for the positive news. <laughs> I, I also agree. I'm trying to remain positive. I think one key takeaway from this discussion is the fact that indeed we're through a, living through a digital transformation. There are a lot of inhibiting factors, cost, mindset, procedures, but definitely there are many enablers as well, and uh, hopefully uh, regulation can be one of them. So before closing, I would like to address a very quick question and hope for quick responses as well. Uh, to all panelists, uh, I would like to ask what are, if you take a short response, it would be highly appreciated, what are the main technologies that you see emerging in the next three to five years. Okay. Yeah, as I already said, uh, uh, communication has uh, changed from being a barrier to an enabler, but what I really see is that uh, there will be high amounts of uh, automatic uh, data being generated and then we'll be able to use, it, use the power of AI, the true power of AI which would be much more intuitive and much more predictive in nature than what we are using right now. Thank you. Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Definitely, you know, the, the, the use of people. So this is what I was aiming for. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. A correct answer, right. Um, but definitely, you know, the use of, of, of big data, it's something that uh, it will play an important role. Uh, what uh, I have learned, you know, working for the last 17 years on developing technologies uh, for for vessels, is that there is no silver bullet technology on any on on, on any challenge. But uh, what I can see is that I can see uh, uh, a much modern and open-minded uh, shipping market, 
I can see synergies between you know technology providers, ship owners. Uh, we can see spin-off, uh, very great examples of spin-off or startup of uh, companies that uh, they're using um, their own ideas and the technology available in order to create uh, some uh, sustainable solutions for the challenges that directly or indirectly uh, um, the ship owners have. And what I mean by that is that we have um, technology that needed for the direct uh, challenges uh, which comes from technical uh, issues or operational issues or indirect challenges which come from the new uh, legislation that comes into force. So I see this open-mindedness uh, from the ship owner side and the synergies between uh, the two uh, stakeholders, which is a good thing. And I do believe that in the future we'll see a combination of whatever is available in order to find some solutions to the technical challenges that we're facing. Thank you. Uh, personally, I have, I have a lot of faith in the types of technologies we are working on. Uh, in a nutshell, we put them in two separate buckets. The first one is the one dealing with uh, optimizing the performance of the vessel as an asset. Uh, and the second one is the one dealing with uh, the human on board, I mean the, uh, the seafarers on board. Um, I see tremendous opportunity and potential in both of them. Obviously the first bucket is it's already booming and I think more than 50 or 60% of startups uh, and technology companies are already working on those topics today. For example, AI avoid optimization, uh, for the likes of uh, big data, AI, machine learning, uh, etc. But I honestly see tremendous uh, potential in the second bucket uh, when it comes to connecting not only the desert with the office, but connecting the seafarer with the office um, to make sure that you, you can uh, you can break taboos and stereotypes for mental health. I mean, digital technology would help a lot in this one. Uh, and also uh, making sure that they are always uh, educated and motivated. Um, it, it, um, excuse me. Um, it certainly through the, the pandemic and the ongoing war right now and the, and the new generation of seafarers coming in, um, there is a higher demand for connectivity. and. Uh, I really, I really believe uh, that. <coughs> excuse me. Um, I really believe that our industry needs to be a lot more transparent uh, and well connected and more human oriented. So this would be the boom to the second market that I mentioned before. Thank you. So I want to be a lot more optimistic, if I may. I think that you know. So I've been before. So say after sailing, I've developed solutions for agriculture, for construct, for manufacturing, and even mining, right? And when you look at the rate of adoption of digital solutions in this industry, it is fascinating how quick it is, right? You're looking at businesses that have like how many of your emails that are coming on an every day. Uh, we're not there yesterday. These are issues that just popped today, and in narrow corporate organizations, everything that is happening in our operations, we still look at new solutions and even the question, what other solutions can we adopt? It's uh, So A, I think a, a tap on the shoulder for the industry for the, the pace of adoption. The, to answer that question, again, I go back to how I started my words. It's not about what technologies are out there, it's what is helping you in your organizations. And if I look at the vessels, right, currently, and just a little bit of a, you know, a, a fact check, when there's a maintenance issue on both the vessels, the crew is at fault. Where there's drug smuggling on both the vessel, the crew is on fault. Where there's navigation issue, where everything that is happening, we blame the, the crew for something that has gone wrong. And the fact is that we need to look at what tools do they have at their disposal. 
And so if you look at what you know are the next steps, one in our perspective is giving greater automation uh, and such tools to the seafarers. And secondly, it's not about which other solutions can we bring, sorry. It's about, if you, in one word, it's about integration. There are a lot of solutions out there. If I had a monitor for each of the solutions that are available, like I won't have a place in the room, right? And so how do we make, it's like the, the Apple versus Android. How do we make everything on our, on our phone, right? How do we make everything speak to uh, each other and have a holistic uh, um, management platform for that regard? So that's, that's my, these are my points. Thank you very much. It's very good to hear that uh, personally as well I've been dealing with performance monitoring for many years and it's good to hear that coming from all of you, also Ms. Placadona, if I remember in the previous session mentioned it and it was mentioned quite many times Would you like to cover any questions? Thank you. One small question, and I, I, mean, I say this probably. I'm also an optimist. I'm also looking at the future being, you know, full rather than empty. But one thing that concerns me, which is a general question, which we just discussed over lunch, is that uh, with all this technology and all these improvements, don't forget that the, our main worry, which we've said all along, is the education and the standard of education of the, the ability of their seafarers. Now here we're bringing in all kind of issues which basically what I have to question and I'm not questioning this negatively, I'm questioning this with a view of perhaps there's something which we have to address in the future. The educational standard of the seafarers which we employ, or you know obviously we have what we what what is available in the market. Um, is there an issue which you feel we have to be skeptical or perhaps be more proactive in ensuring that our crew members can literally cope with the standard and the sophistication of this technology. Because don't forget, at the end of the day, it's the seafarers, the captain and his crew who are running the ship. You're bringing in software, hardware, and things which are mind-boggling, and that concerns me very, very much as to how you see our ability to have our crew adapt themselves to this kind of future. Thank you. Uh, I have, if I may, one comment on this, which might surprise the audience. So we've done, before collaborating with one of the largest liners um, um, globally, we've done a survey on 40 of their own vessels. They showed them what we do, and they asked, and this is computer vision, right? Pretty advanced stuff. And they asked the seafarers two questions. Do you see value in visual analytics on board? And the second question, do you want this on your vessel? 39 out of the 40 said yes. So I think that the perception of what the seafarers are used to, right, of their palm of their hands, uh, we should give them more credit. This is the point. That's good to hear. So on that note, I think, is there any other mention, or should we just close the session? Are we okay here? Any other questions for the audience? So obviously we're very hungry. Anyway, the, I'd like to thank our panelists and our media moderator. Um, I just want to mention a bit of timekeeping for lunch which I think would be thoroughly enjoyable and a necessity at this stage. And uh, the afternoon is all going to be about all about petty cash and geopolitics. So the afternoon session will be perhaps, you know, the other side of the coin, which is beyond technology. And of course, then at the end, we have the Shibana Forum, which will also be very interesting. Anyway, on that note, I'd like to thank you very, very much. And as I said, you all have a good lunch, and uh, I welcome you back in the afternoon at um, 10 past 2. Thank you.